All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Tuesday, January 10th of 2023. Looking ahead to a seven-game NBA slate as well as a 10-game NHL slate. It is Tuesday, two more days till golf. Probably be building my golf lineups tomorrow, so looking forward to Another uh, PGA event, a cut event this week, was a no-cut event last week, but um, will be a cut event this week, so it should be a little more fun. Going to get that Friday sweat going. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew, one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions that come in in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not a member of our Discord, there's a link in the description below. To get joined up, highly recommend it as always. A lot of good conversations happening there each and every day. People bringing up questions and ideas and getting a lot of feedback from a lot of really sharp people in the community and just anybody and everybody who participates. But that being said, you know, if you um, are not in our Discord and you are just tuning in, have a question that you want to get answered, throw it in the live YouTube chat. We will get to all the questions before the end of the show. Promise you guys that. So, going to get Sabres in pulled up here, and we are going to get going. Our first question today came in from support, actually. Uh, kind of a long one. I'm going to break it up into uh, two parts here. But um, got some good feedback from the team on this one as well. Uh, our main man, uh, Scott, in the NHL streets, decided to jump in and get and give some thoughts. So, uh, I will I will touch on Scott's response after getting this question out. All right, question says, I've been with Saberson for a while now, and I continue to make small adjustments to my process on a regular basis. I have a couple questions that I hope will aid in my daily process. First, what do... Um, hold on, I'm, I'm a little confused. First, what do you believe is more important for stacking type sports such as hockey or baseball? Dialing in stack slash team exposures and letting individual player exposures fall where they lie or dialing in individual player exposures and letting the stacks take care of themselves via player exposures. Uh, this is a good question. So uh, Scott jumped in and talked a little bit about hockey since that is a highly correlated sport. So I'm going to throw in um, his two cents here and we will uh, talk about it more. But for anyone in the NHL streets. I think this is a uh, solid response. So Scott said for part one, I can speak to NHL here. I prefer to start by dialing in min uniques to get my stack exposures close to where I want them to be. And then I look at the individual players to see if I am over or underweight on anyone, but I don't like to tweak too much unless I have a real good reason to do so. I guess that means I'm more focused on team exposures first, but letting min uniques handle a lot of that for me. Players end up falling where they will uh, lie most of the time as a result. Uh, I think this is really good feedback. This is kind of my sense too, right? Um, you know, it is a new year, so uh, MLB season is is only a couple months away. You know, should get started. Uh, usually they have like a island mar March uh, slate to kick it off, and then, you know, opening days usually April 1st, but you know, if you're playing NHL, uh, looking ahead to, to baseball where, where correlation is really important. I think these principles are, um, sound from Scott here. I think that, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't reverse engineer a stack. So like, a, so a stack is, is a group of players from, from the same team usually, or from the same game. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, let it let it be that and and start from that point so so start by looking at teams start by looking at games do not start with with players and try to walk that back i think that is probably not the way i would approach it i would go about it the a little more way scott is going about it you know let me handle the team level because i think handling it on a on a team level is easier right you got 10 games here we're looking at 20 total teams but if you look in the player pool, uh, there are going to be hundreds of players, right? A couple hundred players, right? So so what is it easier for me to juggle in my head? 20 teams or 200 players, just just for the, for the sake of example, right? Um, 
that that is where you know I let Sabersim handle that part, right? So I'm gonna say, you know, okay, um, I'm interested in in these stacks, and you know, Scott is saying he's applying mini uniques first and then making adjustments. I think that is the right way, you know, see how many uniques you can get uh to decrease that interlineup correlation, and then go back, spot check your exposures, your team stacks, your stack types and, and your player exposures if there are certain players on your mind and then make those adjustments after the fact right and then if you get to a point where it's like um okay you know you've made too many changes now that's the point where you have to say okay do i want to keep making player adjustments and decrease my mini uniques to do that or do i want to stop my player adjustments and leave my mini uniques and then that is like a crossroad that we talk about where it ultimately comes down to what is more important to the individual user because not every user will have the same answer to that question because there's not a wrong or right answer. It is really, um, you know, what kind of player you are and what you value in in your process and your lineups. So really good question there from um, from support that came in. We will make sure to get uh, timestamp recording back to you. And uh, thank you, Scott, for, for jumping in and giving some feedback there. So second part of the question let me get this over here uh this one is a little bit longer so this second part of the question says secondly similar to the back testing you've done to help with the default sliders have you completed any back testing on individual player sizes slash exposure percentages to determine what results in higher scoring lineups slash more profitable entries if so, what do you suggest is the best best method that results in higher scores or the method that helps identify the one lineup that can go off? I typically play the 20 max $1 tourneys on DraftKings and often find myself by following a comparable exposure percent that results from the pool exposure pool percent using a lot of players in my pool of 20 lineups, many just once or twice among the 20 lineups. I understand this helps diversify my player pool, which can reduce my downside, but also reduces my upside as opposed to a smaller pool of players with higher exposures per player, which is less diversified and increases my downside, but also may increase my upside. It seems to me that having lower individual exposures, a larger player pool in my lineups, requires me um requires me to hold on sometimes these 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 get messed up it seems to me that having lower individual exposure slash a larger player pool in my lineups requires me to get a little lucky by hitting on that one diverse lineup and most nights with those lower slash flatter exposure percentages resulting in me losing a few dollars but not all of my entry fees as opposed to a smaller player pool that is more all or nothing. Any thoughts on what's pro more profitable long-term? Okay, lots to unpack there. Um, really, you know, just to kind of um, summarize what I what I think is, you know, kind of the gist of this question is, you know, should I be playing more spread out or should I be playing more concentrated? Uh, that way, when the players that I am more concentrated on do well, I have a better shot of binking. I think that is like, a, a solid summary of, of, of this question. And, and it's, it's a good question, right? So I'm going to hop over to NBA. Uh, we're going to run a quick NBA build and, and we're going to talk about this, right? If we are playing a 20 max contest. So let me just run some lineups here. I think, you know, the big takeaway or the thing that really stood out to me in this question was that um, the user said that they follow a comparable exposure percent that results from the pool exposure. Um, I think that, you know, this, this, this is a, this is a decent way of getting spread out exposure, but I don't think it's better than using mini uniques. Right. So, and, and the reason I say that is because if, if you are following pool exposure as your kind of, um, guide rail or, uh, light beacon to, to kind of show you where to go with your exposures. I think it misses out on some things, right? The, the, the thing that most stands out to me more often than not is that you are going to be decreasing your exposure to what Sabersims perceives to be the best place, right? So for instance, this 95% exposure we have to Diallo, 
it, his pool exposure is 58. So right away, you're going to take away almost 40% exposure to a player that Saberson thinks is really, really good, right? And and that goes for every player. Like if we sort by pool exposure, Diallo is the is the highest exposed player in the pool at 58%. So if you come in here and then you start changing all of your max exposures to match the pool, you are going to be re- very spread out. But 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 that's not what Saberson is telling me is is the best thing to do for this portfolio, right? Um, that you know our our min uniques feature is 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 honestly the best way to get. Um, to get to get so so how do I say this? So I think there's like two different types of diversity here that we're kind of talking about. We're talking about you know. So so what I want to talk about is min uniques, which is de- which is saying that I can only have so many players the same in every single lineup that I take with me into my contest. And then what what this user is saying is that I want to get spread out by just coming in here and decreasing my my exposures. Uh, I think the former is is better and just because when you are adjusting min uniques you are allowing saber sim to or more organically or more along what saber sim wants to do adjust your exposures so like for instance i'm going to decrease this to two or i'm going to decrease my min uniques to to three here so i think siaka moved here and Kawhi leonard moved right okay so siaka was at 60 we saw Kawhi Leonard come up, and let me see if I can see somebody else. Uh, Damian Lillard came up as well. And then if we go to four, now we just saw a big shift in a lot of players, right? Uh, Diallo came down to 60%. Orlando Robinson actually uh, maintained that high exposure. So so basically what I'm trying to get at is that by, by using Min Uniques, you're going to allow SaberSim to decide – who is worth keeping in those lineups as part of those um, five players since FanDuel has nine lineup spots, you know, who is going to be part of those five players that is going to essentially become more of your like core that, that SaberSim does not have to change that those players that SaberSim can use over and over again. And then who is going to be delegated or, or bumped, by this min unique threshold saying, you know what? Sorry, I, I got to change you out because I can only have five players the same in every single lineup. And I don't think you're worth it. I would rather get rid of you and keep this other piece, this other player or these group of players that I think are more valuable, right? Saberson can handle that a lot better than you can. And, and it can do it in a much more efficient way where like, you know, Orlando Robinson is 53% in our pool, but still 75% here after applying four min unique. So, so that tells me that Saberson thinks he is a really, really good play on this slate. Right. So I, I would say that, you know, using this method, you can capitalize on diversity and you can still get more concentrated exposures, which is ultimately like the eat, uh, have your cake and eat it too. Uh, that that you're kind of talking about here. Like you want to have some more concentrated exposures that give you some better shots to take down a contest on a night and not be so spread out as opposed to, um, or, you know, you're saying like, or the opposite is, is um, you know, be be really spread out and, and only play a lot of guys, you know, one or two times in a lineup. So I think that, you know, another way you could look at this is that here we have mini uniques at four. We have a player pool of 39 players, right? If we decrease this to one and then we come in here and then we just start chopping all these guys down. So maybe I say, you know, 60, 60, 55, 35, uh, 50, 30, you know what I'm doing? I'm I'm taking all of the top guys and getting close to that um, pool exposure, which is, which is what you said that you were doing something around and I'm just kind of rounding up right here. So then I'm going to change all those. I'm gonna hit apply. Well, one, I couldn't, I couldn't um, do that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's one reason to do it the other way. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk some of these back, and then that that seemed to work. Um, you know, it's unfortunate we couldn't do all the players we wanted to. Uh, still, our player pool is is not much different. So, but but our top exposures are lower, right? So before we had 39 players. 
with some guys at 75 exposure. And now we're at 65% with 35 players in the pool. So personally, I would, I would highly recommend using the mini uniques and giving that a shot, but good question. We are going to move on and um, talk about our next question here. All right. Um, scrolling up here. The next question I saw came in from Larson. I'm going to get this one in the chat. See, see um, some questions coming in in the YouTube chat. When we get to all the questions before the end of the show, going to knock out these ones in Discord first and then hop over. All right. So Larson said, Andrew, I'm one of, uh, one of the recommendations from Jordan Saberson, five rules for max DFS profit. He said, use a unique lineup for every entry. How do I make sure the entries aren't duplicated when I run a sim for each contest? I have the 20 max membership, so I only put in 20 lineups per contest, even if it's 150 max. I play primarily on FanDuel. I do a build for each contest individually because some have different total entry sizes. Okay, this is a good question, Larson. Um, so right off the bat, the only way I can think of to do it, it the only way I can think to know, right? So um, I don't have an entries file. I'm not... Um, registered for any contests over here on FanDuel at the moment. Um, maybe we can go back to a previous week here. Um, let me, um, let me see if I could do that. But, but basically what I'm, what I'm getting at is that over on um, FanDuel or I'm sorry, over on the entry editor, there is a slot for um, what I would call it. It's your, it's your lineup exposure and your entry exposure. And, the difference is that if a lineup is duplicated, those two things are going to be different, right? So let me just pull this up really quickly and show you guys what I am talking about. So, I mean, so this is um, NFL um, main slate last weekend. So, so in this in this example, right? In this one, I had a unique lineup in every entry, right? So my lineup exposure is the same as my entry exposure. Um, th these two numbers are match. If if a lineup is duplicated, basically the entry exposure for players can be higher because they're, you know, say I only built um, 150 lineups, you know, I have 180 entries, so these players are going to be duplicated. So so their lineup exposure, you know, if they're in if they were in 15 lineups, might be 10 percent but they got used in multiple entries. So their entry exposure might be like 15%, 20%, depending on my uh, fill method, et cetera. So that is the easiest way to tell if your lineups are duplicated or not. Um, what you can do about that, right? Um, it's going to be hard to tell what um, build that came from, especially if you're building a separate build for every contest that you enter. Um, so, Frankly, you know, the good thing, well, if, if you see that and if that bothers you a lot, right, what I would do is I would begin to build just in general on a higher um, sim diversity. The higher sim diversity is the smaller the buckets of sims that we are going to pull from, and it is less likely that those lineups get duplicated. So if you are, you know, building a 20 max on um you know, maybe like one to 10,000, three, three, six, like, like whatever your settings are, you know, just go ahead and bump that SIM diversity up a tick or two. This should help. I, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. You know, the, the builder is, is built to uh, build in diversity into your lineups. I think the builder does a really good job of that in general. So not, not a major concern. That is one way you can spot check it. And then if it is something that you see coming up a lot, uh, I would build on a higher SIM diversity setting. All right. Question here from B. Hibby. Question is, uh, what sportsbook do you pull NFL projected game odds from? Um, my man Chuck jumped in here and answered uh, his question. So thank you, Chuck. Uh, this is this is a correct answer. So Chuck said, my understanding is that SaberSim gets the game odds from simulating the games thousands of times. Vegas odds are used as a guide rail slash sanity check, but SaberSim does not pull directly from Vegas. So, so this is true. Um, Basically, you know, we arrive at our own team totals based on the outcomes in the Sims. You know, we have a uh, very, very good model and the team puts a lot of work into the model. Um, we send the game thousands of times. You know, these 
team totals that you see up at the top are are not from Vegas, right? We we are not pulling them from anywhere. Um, we are checking, you know, to make sure that we're we're not too far away, or or you know, we're we're missing something, you know, maybe um, somebody is out and and we're 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 not getting that input for whatever reason. So we do have you know um, sanity checks in place to make sure that we are. Um, not too far off, but, but that being said, we are not afraid of taking stances against Vegas. Um, we do a lot of, uh, back testing and, and work hard on the model. We are okay. If we are a little away from Vegas because, um, that, that is, that is basically a conscious decision, but yeah, team totals come from the Sims and we use Vegas as a sanity check, but thank you, Chuck. Appreciate you jumping in there as always. All right. Now we got a question from chuck here and this is a long one so i'm gonna gonna break it into two parts chuck said is it double counting to use saber score with ownership metrics such as some products slash average ownership my understanding is that ownership fade only evaluates ownership at the individual player level while the ownership metrics evaluate ownership at the lineup level i just want to make sure that is the case okay so to start this first part chuck uh, your understanding is correct. The way ownership fade works is that we, when we run the Sims, depending on what this ownership fade is set to, I think the easiest thing to understand is that the higher this is, the more this is going to hurt higher owned plays, and the more it is going to value lower owned plays. Um, and then you know, inversely, if you if you were to decrease it, so so basically in this example, if we're looking at point guards, and if we run Sims, um. We are going to, you know, let's say we have ownership fade all the way up to 10. We are going to, you know, apply a, a, a metric, a, a multiplier. I don't know exactly what happens, but whatever projection we get for Gabe Vincent, we are going to, you know, apply a multiplier and that is probably going to hurt him because he is so high owned. And then, you know, take somebody like, like Lamelo down here at 8%. We are going to apply that metric. And that is probably going to help LaMelo show up in more lineups because his ownership is lower as opposed to Gabe Vincent's, who, whose is so much higher, right? So that is what ownership is doing. It is looking at ownership on a positional level, um, not not like an overall lineup level. That is what Saber Score does. So, so your understanding of that is right. When Saber Score comes into account, you know, that is after all the lineups are built. That is after the ownership fade has been applied. Now SaberSim is going to look at this entire lineup as a whole and grade it based on um, ownership metrics. So if you were to, um, so so getting back to the question, is it double counting to use Saber score with ownership metrics such as some product and average ownership? Um, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say so. So, so my understanding is that, you know, the slider settings are inputs to Saber score. Um, what, what Saber score is going to do is depending on where this ownership fade slider is set, you know, um, like basically the Saber score algorithm is dynamic uh, to accommodate different contests, right? It should not grade a single entry contest the same way it should grade 150 max contests or or lineups for that contest right so so say so saber score is dynamic based on the slider settings um so 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 i think it's totally fine to to apply a custom metric that includes saber score i think that's totally okay uh, and then you know getting down to the second part of your question here gonna get this in the chat second part says I would also like to know your thoughts on my revised metric, including the percentiles prevents ownership from going too low, provides the context of that particular slate and ensures I'm not blindly fading ownership for the sake of it. I included some product and average ownership because there are benefits and drawbacks to each method of calculating ownership. And I want my metric to be comprehensive. Um, so it looks like Chuck is using 25th percentile, 50th percentile, 75th percentile, 85th percentile, Saber score, negatively weighted, uh, some ownership, product ownership, and average ownership. Um, Chuck, you know, this is quite the metric. Um, 
my my opinion is I think there is some sort of overlap with all of these ownership metrics. I realize that they're all different and they all have their pros and cons, but I think at the end of the day, you know, they are all based on player ownership and the players ownership is, is, is somewhat static, right? So I think that you're probably better off picking the one that you feel adds the most value for the type of contest that you're playing. So for instance, like I have a custom metric that I use for showdowns and then I have a custom metric that I use for um, NFL small slates. And then I, I do not have a custom metric that I use for, for NFL large slates, but, but that's kind of how I split it up in my head is like, okay, showdown is one thing. NFL short slates are a different thing. And then, you know, NFL like large slates are, are a different thing. Right. So, so instead of like try and create this, um, all encompassing custom metric, I would probably just have different custom metrics for very specific things or game types or slate sizes and, and try and think about it more that way. And then pick the type that matters the most to you in that format. For instance, maybe in showdown product ownership means more to you slash geo mean. And then in something like, um, I don't know what you might be using this for, but, um, in an NFL classic main slate, you know, if the season wasn't over, maybe you care more about average ownership in, in that instance where you're not trying to, you know, fit in like 5% owned plays with really chalky plays. Maybe you just want like the average ownership of all the players to be lower, but you know, um, still, still fairly high owned. I think that, you know, in 2022 DFS, um, having a lineup full of, you know, 1% players on, on a, you know, on an average slate is, is probably, uh, not the right thing, right? Um, players are being owned more appropriately in, in this day in, in DFS. So you're not going to be able to find, you know, nine, 1% owned players that are going to be smash plays, right? You might find one or two. So, so maybe on like a big NFL slate, you care more about average ownership and bringing the averages uh, down across the board. And then as opposed to showdown, we care more about like product ownership. So uh, chew on that, you know, think about it a little bit and uh, let me know if you have any follow-up. All right. Uh, question here from Gilliman. Question is, Andrew, how do I use the research build 0010 or 009 like you like it to come up with a solid three to four plays that will be viable leverage plays? Uh, this is a good question, right? So something that we've talked about, something that Matt talked about recently in our uh, pro exclusive content. If you are on a pro plan, we came out with a new pro video, Matt breaking down his 50K uh, showdown high stakes win. And he talks a little bit about this concept, right? So basically the idea behind it, excuse me, is that I'm going to get some water. Thank you guys. All right. So basically the idea is that when you're running a 0010 build, you're basically trying to simulate optimals, right? You're trying to simulate optimals for a slate. Problem is on a seven game NBA slate, you probably don't need the optimal to win, right? It's going to be hard to find. You're probably not going to get there. So what can you do to do research, but not in such a, um, optimal way, right? What you can do is you can take smaller buckets of Sims. So that would be a 009 build where we're not taking a single slate optimals, but we are bucketing the Sims still, but just bucketing less of the Sims, right? So that is kind of the idea between a 009, 0010, both have their uses. And I would use different, I would use a different one depending on what kind of slate or uh, style, you know, showdown classic, small slate, large slate uh, I was playing, right? And kind of what I'm doing. So how would I do this, right? I'm going to run one. 009, you know, we're going to talk about today's NBA slate and we're going to see what this is showing us. All right, so just letting the build run here and then we will begin talking about this. But I think that, you know, kind of what I'm looking for out of a research build, right? First things first, I'm going to open this up to the entire pool size here. I want to see all of the lineups in my pool. 
whatever size pool you can build, I would always recommend building the max. Two things I'm really looking for. One is leverage. What, where, what high leverage plays do I have? And what do I think about the highest owned players on the slate? For instance, Gabe Vincent. I'm totally fine playing him, right? You know, in our 500 research build sample size here, uh, he is paying off his ownership, right? He is just about uh, coming up as often in our uh, sim lineups as he is owned. So I'm totally okay playing with him, playing him like on a, on, in, in most of my lineups, right? Somebody that I am looking away from is probably someone like Isaiah Stewart, right? Uh, about ha- coming up half as often as his ownership says, uh, somebody that that I'm interested in, probably Diallo, right? Uh, when we run those 20 lineups, he was in 19 out of 20 of them right off the bat. That makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, highly exposed in our top 20, very high positive leverage in um, our research build, right? So really that's kind of what I would think of when, you know, I'm looking at, you know, uh, who I want to have high exposure to. Um, are, are the top owned plays worth it? Who are my highest leverage plays? And then, you know, just like as a safety net, who are my lowest leverage plays? That way, when I do come up into my, you know, builds, say this is my actual build and I'm running my 20 lineups, you know, I can write those guys down and I can go and look at them. So we only have Stuart in one lineup. Totally okay with that. And then, you know, uh, we have Diallo. I spoke his name wrong. In 70% of our lineups here. So, Totally okay with that. Gabe Vincent coming up in a lot. He seemed like a fine play to me overall. So, you know, Saber Sam is going to apply these things uh, the best it can, but that is one way for you to kind of spot check and, and make sure that you're in agreement with what Saber Sam is doing. So that is how I would use a research build if I were running one uh, on a nightly basis. All right, scrolling down here. Question from Gilliman. Gilliman's trying to hit me where it hurts with this one, guys. He said, Andrew, I see you have been on a heater lately. About a week ago, I noticed you have a lineup in the piggy that could have took down the flagship in FanDuel. Thanks a lot, Gilliman. How do you prevent this from happening going forward? Also, I am following uh, with you in regards to the two videos and you recommended in regards to a solid NBA process. I watched them. What are you doing special that would be beneficial to adding uh, – to the process that you recommend. So I'm just messing around guys. But, um, you know, first off, I want to talk about, you know, these two NBA videos. A lot of times people come on the show and they're like, Hey, you know, I want to, um, talk about, um, NBA strategy. You know, what do you recommend for, for this slate for, for advice in general? What I always recommend to people is go to over to our YouTube channel. Just come over here to the homepage. You can go into this search bar here. And then all you got to do is type in NBA, just type in keyword. And then it is going to bring up all of our NBA content, right? Um, this is a really good video where we had Max Steinberg on at the beginning of the season to talk about uh, DFS or Daily Fantasy NBA. It's an hour, 44 minutes. A ton of questions came in. We've had a couple videos where I've walked through um, aspects of my process. This is the most recent one that we did 12 days ago. We had some time, so we, we dove into NBA a little bit. We did some stuff earlier uh closer to the beginning of the season here and i believe you know this is talk about the profit plan uh i believe it was these two you know optimizing your your nba process uh talking about player pool like like guys we do this show five days a week um you know we, we talk about nba all the time right so so i think just by coming in here typing in nba you know there's a lot of content that probably gets lost and you know we have so many videos so some some pieces get you know uh harder to find so i would just come in here type in a keyword and you could find a lot of good advice about different things that you're concerned about right and you know we have like the playlist with with max here um you, you can type in ownership you know and and see what comes up and all the times that we talk about ownership and and different things along those lines so this is always a really good resource for people um, that I don't think um, that many people utilize. So I just wanted to uh, shine some light on that. And then getting back to the other part of this question, um, frankly, you know, it says, you know, you had a lineup in the piggy that could have took down the flagship and FanDuel. How do you prevent this from happening going forward, right? The, the truth is that I am maxing the piggy, which is 150 entries, right? But I am not maxing the flagship. Um I am only just entering a uh, subset of that 150 into the flagship 
and I am filling via unique rank. So usually what it looks like for me is, you know, um, I'll build 150 lineups and then I'll enter, you know, some lineups in the flagship, um, the quarter 20, the 222, um, as well as like some other contests, depending on, on what kind of night it is. And I will just take those from the 150, right? So the, the, the way to make sure that doesn't happen is to enter 150 lineups into the flagship, right? But that's not um, in the bankroll for me right now, right? That's not the way I want to. Um, th- that's not the way I want to allocate my bankroll. I'd rather play turbos. I'd rather play night slates. I'd rather play showdowns. Um, that's something that I've kind of really gotten into lately. Is you know not going like really like like um, up the contest list, kind of trying to go out the contest list. Um, you know, instead of playing just the main slate and playing all the contests up and down, what I'm trying to do is like, okay, I played the best contest on the main slate. Now let me go to the turbos. Now let me go to the knights. Now let me go to the showdowns and kind of spread out sideways. That's something that I've been working on. Um, so that's why I don't play as many lineups in the flagship, right? Um, I think that's like a totally fine strategy. And, and, you know, the way I'm filling my contests is that I am taking, you know, if I'm entering 20 lineups in the flagship, I'm entering the top 20 via unique rank. So I'm building 150, filling the first 150 into the 150 max. And then I'll take the next one through 20, you know, as it starts over, put those in the flagship and then go, you know, maybe the next 20 in the 222, maybe the next 20 in the um, 25 cent. And however that falls, like I'm totally okay with it because I'm using min uniques. I am taking advantage of diversity. And then I am also taking advantage of saber score by filling unique rank. Uh, One thing we have changed is that if you come into fill entries and if you have an entry file here, Unique rank is now the default fill method. It used to be rank, but that would cause people to duplicate their lineups. We felt unique rank was a better um, standard option. So that has recently changed. You guys might notice that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's okay. Uh, I think that, you know, you got to keep the long-term kind of in perspective here. And if you continue to do the right things to grow your bankroll, over time, you're going to be, I'm going to be able to enter more lineups into the, uh, into the flagship, you know, I'm going to go from 20 to, to 50 to 75 to hundred to 150. And then at that point, you know, I won't, that won't happen to me anymore. Right. But it is a process to get to that point. Um, so it's all part of the journey. I'm totally okay with that happening sometimes, but yeah, it is unfortunate overall. All right. Question here from Naj. Naj said, Hey, I've been doing late swap for 20 max NBA blindly and been pretty much breaking even or losing two or three dollars. I finally tried to take late swap in my own hands and setting exposures to certain guys I want to keep, and I did terribly. Should I go back to what I was doing, or what do you do with late swap? Uh, you know, Naj, I think you know the uh writing is on the wall on this one. Uh, you know, I, I remember a similar question from you about a week or two ago. Um just remember that, you know, if you are breaking even or just losing a little bit of money, uh, you are beating the rake. You are not paying the rake. You know, the rake is about 15% on a nightly basis. So if you have a hundred dollars in entry fees right away, you know, that as soon as lock hits, that is down to $85, right? 15% of that goes to the house. So if you are losing, you know, two to $3 and you're playing a hundred, that means you're gaining that 12 ish percent back out of that, uh, rake that is being taken. Um, so breaking even is, is good on a night to night basis while you continue to just, uh, put in as many unique entries as possible and try and get to those times where you are going to bink and, and do really good and make some money. Um, you know, part of our contest back testing, uh, in the behind the Sims that Eric did with, with, uh, Jordan on the series, uh, I believe last year now was that, you know, a winning player is expected to have about uh, six to eight winning days in a month. And if that's, if they're playing, you know, 30 to 31 days out of the month. So you are going to lose on more days than you win. It's just that, you know, on the days you win, you hope to have those uh, exponential outcomes that kind of pay for all of the losses. And then you get profit on top of that. So keep grinding. Sounds like you're doing pretty good. And I would continue to trust late swap. All right. Roll in here. Uh, question from Jibo here. Jibo said, planning to have Sims ready for USFL or XFL seasons when they start? Jibo, uh, I did not know the answer to that question. To be honest, I don't think so. It's not 
uh, something I've heard rumblings about in the uh, internal streets, but it is something that um, I will let the team know that people are asking for. The more you guys ask for stuff like that, the easier it is for me to to push the envelope and and get those things in motion. So if there are things that you know other users or, or you know other people would like to see XFL or USFL uh, sims, you know you guys mentioned those things to us, and that will help us push those up the priority list. So going to make a note here and going to take that one back to the team. A uh, couple follow-up thoughts from Gilliman here. Uh, Gilliman said, thank you. Sorry about that, brother. I was just joking. Uh, how do you use a research build to create a player pool? Lastly, how do you use a research build to find a 1v1, for example, last night? Is it a way to? Is it a way the research build could show me Murray was a better play than Joker? Um, to be honest, I don't really think, you know, that's really what like a research build can do. You know, players have a lot of variants on a night to night slate. Uh, there are plenty of Sims where Joker is better than Murray. And then there are some Sims where Murray is better than, than Joker. Right. And, and that is just kind of the way things happen sometimes. Um, as far as, you know, using the research build to create a player pool, um, not something I'm really too worried about myself when I'm building, you know, the number of players that I have in my pool is not, the biggest deal to me, I'm more concerned about, you know, how diverse is, are the lineups that I'm taking with me and what are my highest exposures? Do I agree with my high, highest exposures? And do I also agree with my highest leverage and, and negative leverage plays? And if, if I'm okay with those things, I'm, I'm usually not worried about too much else. The way I like to think about it is, you know, um, I like to let Saber Sim kind of handle the, the, the center of the stake and I am here mostly to do risk management and to trim the fat off of the edges um, that I that I don't want to see, right? So that comes in the form of of you know making my adjustments, checking um, you know lowest projected players. What are my exposures down there? What are my exposures to the highest owned? What are my highest leverage plays? What are my highest exposures to the highest value plays? Right. So so things are like that are what I'm really looking at from a risk management. Uh, perspective, I'm not so concerned about the actual number of players in my player pool. All right. Uh, question here from BK3NT. Maybe B Kent. Uh, if I want to find a player's ceiling, would it make more sense to use the 99th, 95th percentile, or the 85th percentile? Uh, so if you are just wanting to maximize upside in your lineups, what I would do is I would come in here to the lineup sorting method and I would change the percentiles to 99th. You know, this is like the score that this lineup gets in across our entire SIM database 1% of the time. I think that it's going to be a little more high risk, but using something like this is totally viable when this is a 1 in 100 outcome, especially if you're playing like, you know, 150 lineups, 200 unique lineups, 300 unique lineups. Uh, those instances those those lineups become more and more viable. Personally, I like to use 95th. I think it's a little more uh, frequent. You know, one out of 20, especially if you're you're playing something like a 20 max. So I I, I would stick with 95th or 99th. You know, these are kind of the outcomes that you're going to need to take down a GPP. Really, is is kind of what it comes down to. I think even at 85th, you know, you're um you know you're not always taking down GPPs at at that level. So I would stick with the 95th, 99th. All right. Hopping over to YouTube chat. That is our last Discord question at the moment. I will hop back over there before the stream ends to see if any more questions came in. And uh, B. Kent did confirm it is, in fact, B. Kent. So glad I got that right. And uh, happy, happy to answer any question you have. All right. Demetrius said, what's the name of the best NBA settings video? Uh, so, Demetrius, um, you know, I just hopped over to YouTube and covered some of our best NBA videos. I would just rewind a little bit, or if you're if you're here, this question came in at the beginning of the show. I would check out those videos that we just touched on. Those are the best uh, videos to start with. All right. Next question from Demetrius. I'm on SaberSim right now, and the projections are stuck on RPS projections. I can't change it to SaberSim. It's only doing this for NHL. So um, I don't have an, an RPS account. Um, I'm assuming you know how to do this, where you know, you can come over here and change the projection source. Uh, the run pure version of SaberSim should have something similar, a drop down where you can uh, toggle back and forth. If this is still an issue, what I would do is I would either uh, use the report a problem link 
up here at the top right. And then just say um, projections won't change from RPS to SaberSim for NHL. That'll go straight to our support team. That will help us to troubleshoot the issue and get it resolved really quickly. Or if you're in Discord, you can throw a message in the support channel and the team will be able to get to you there. So I would always do those two methods for any issue that you guys run across. All right. Marky Mark said, on slates four games and above, I would limit no to no more than three players. Uh, that is a pretty standard rule. I think that, you know, you should be careful using that rule um, as like a hard and fast rule. I think there are always exceptions to the rule, right? So I was noticing before the um, show that value on DraftKings is far and away better tonight than value on FanDuel. So, you know, if we come in here and sort by value, Orlando Robinson is 10.93 value. Um, that's that's huge, right? I think Miami has a bunch of players out. Hero, Robinson, Lowry, Bam, Jovich, Martin, Yurt7. Um, you know, basically just just Jimmy Butler and nobody priced above 5,300. Like that's that's pretty crazy, right? So there's gonna be a lot of value on the heat tonight, and, and we can see it right here. Seven value, seven value, six value, six value, five, five, five. Um, this might be an opportunity to, you know, let more than three heat players into your lineup. Right. So, so the way I usually like to, if, if I am using a rule like that, uh, I, I, I typically don't, I typically handle it in the post build, but what I would do is I would say, use no more than three, uh, set this as a mat, a group automatic rule. So use no more than three players group by team here. And then I would save this as manual. So when I would save it as manual, it's going to create 14 manual rules. And then I can come in here and hit this drop down, and then I can just delete the rule for Miami. So it's like, hey, have this rule for every team except the ones that I am okay playing more players from, right? So that's that's you know using manual rules allows you to create exceptions to the rule. Um, another thing you could do, which which I didn't um, demo, and I'm gonna go back because I deleted it, is that you can also uh, change the number of players for a specific team, right? So I'm going to do my save it as manual and then I'm going to go into Miami and then I'm going to change it for Miami. Like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to play five, but maybe I, maybe I'm okay with four. So then I could just come in here and then the rule would be three for everybody except Miami. And just one thing, guys, you know, we added this ability to um, name the rules. Although you changed the, um, like the, the guidelines of the rule, that is not automatically going to change the name of the rule anymore. So you would have to come in here and adjust it if, if that's something you want to see. So just a, just a side note there, you know, the once that rule is saved, uh, the naming is, is static and is not going to change based on the parameters that you're setting anymore. So just, just a side note for you guys there. All righty. Question uh, from Aaron. Aaron said, what do you do with your crowns and which method do you use to sort lineups for NBA? Uh, typically I, I use them to enter contests, right? Um, it's, it's free money. I, and it's, 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 it's a form of rake back. Um, I know they changed it to start the year. They they've, they've introduced tier credits along with crowns. Um, kind of interesting. See how that plays out. Um, I, I used to save them, but then I started, uh, I went on downswing and then started entering contests with them. So, so I don't think there's anything wrong with using them for contests or, you know, I think that DraftKings has probably the best uh, rewards program in across DFS, um, you know, with their dynasty rewards. So, you know, check out the shop. Maybe, maybe you like something in there. Maybe, maybe, um, you know, something, something that you, you always wanted that, that you never bought and now your crowns can pay for it. So that that's what I do with them though. All right. Question here for Brandon. Uh, Oh, this is from uh, this is from B Kent. He posted it in both, and and we already answered it in the Discord. Snowman said, "Can you talk about own versus value with leverage?" Uh, we could definitely talk about this. Uh, this is our last question, everybody. Uh, looks like we are through with the Discord questions, and this is our last question in the YouTube chat. So, if anybody has any questions, now is a great time to get them in. I'm going to get through this question, and we will see where we go from there. But going to hop back here to Fanduel just because I have that build run already. And gonna talk about this, right? So, so basically, le leverage is just um, exposure minus ownership, right? So, if we have ninety percent exposure minus twenty two point five, that is gonna be sixty seven point five 
percent leverage. Um, so so that that is what leverage is. And then we talk about own versus value with leverage. I think you know value. You know what value is is that it is taking the um, projection divided by owner divided by salary times a thousand. So this is just a way of describing how many points per dollar we think a player is worth. Right. Um, typically, good value in in Sabersim terms. I know other um, sources um, do value differently. But anything usually above six is like what I would consider uh, a discounted player or somebody playing more than they usually do or somebody that's mispriced, right? I think if you come into a slate and everybody is like under six value, I would probably consider that like a well-priced slate with not a lot of value. And, you know, we, we, we went over to DraftKings and we saw that there's just tons of value today with, with some of the pricing and, and the way these players are priced, you know. Like all these players are, are almost min price. You know, min price is three thousand and thirty one, three thousand, thirty three hundred. Like, like guys getting twenty five minutes at at min price is crazy. You know, twenty five minutes, thirty minutes. So that that is a lot of um, minutes for for very low priced guys. I think over on Fanduel, Orlando Robinson was fifty seven hundred as opposed to the thirty one hundred over here on DraftKings. So definitely. Um, salaries were probably released before news came out about the heat sitting so many players, but that is where you get an edge, right? Uh, salaries are static and minutes projections, all those things can change. So that is where, you know, edge basically comes from. Um, talking about leverage, right? I'm not sure, you know, how much more I really want to talk about it, but you know, I think that it's important to understand, you know, how much leverage do you have to the highest owned guys? Um, I think there's something to be said, you know, 30% leverage on Gabe Vincent is not the same as 30% leverage on somebody like Jock Landale, right? Um, you know, in this example, over 50, over 50% of lineups in the pool are going to have Gabe Vincent. So, if he does good, you know, there's still so much of the field you still have to beat out, even though you have more than the field does. Take somebody like Jock Landale. He does really good. You know, the the pool of viable lineups that can win the contest, in theory, goes down significantly. Um, you know, if he just, like, blows the slate away, right? Because there's only so many lineups with him in it. So now you're competing against a lot less lineups overall, and you probably have a better chance of of taking something down if, if he goes off at high leverage as opposed to somebody like Gabe Vincent, right? Not to say like one play is better than another, but but I just want to say that, you know, leverage is 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 relative to the the player and the player's ownership. Um so so that's just something like kind of food for thought, something to think about, something to keep in the back of your mind there. Um, you know, you might not need as much leverage or exposure to somebody like Jock Landale as you need to give Vincent to have an edge over the field. I think that is kind of the point I was kind of getting at with that comment, but snowman, let me know if there's anything about, you know, ownership, exposure, leverage, a value that, that we didn't talk about that, that you specifically want to know. And we can circle back on that later. But um, that being said, everybody had a nice long show today. Appreciate all the questions, you know, coming in early. We had a solid queue of questions. Uh, if you guys have questions throughout the day, throw them in the office hours channel. We will get to them all on tomorrow's show. We'll be right back here tomorrow, 2 PM Eastern for our Wednesday show. So until then, good luck in your contest and I will see you all then. Take care.